Welcome to the ESG Academy, where the Hogan Lovells team quickly but thoroughly shares critical insights on key ESG issues that in-house counsel need to know. Today's episode features partner John Beckman from our DC office and partner Megan Morrison from our London office discussing global governance issues. John is the leader of the firm's US securities and public company advisory practice, where he represents public companies and their boards on strategic matters. Megan is also part of our corporate and finance practice group, where she advises on corporate finance transactions for listed companies, financial sponsors, financial advisors, and large public companies. With G as one of the three key elements of ESG, Here's John and Megan on why getting your governance right is so critical. Megan's great to be here with you. And likewise with you, John. I think we always have a really interesting conversation around ESG matters. I'm thrilled to be here and to listen about what's going on in the in the US at the moment. That sounds great. You know, as you know, a lot of what happens in the US ends up being relevant in the UK and and vice versa. And here, I think in particular in the area of ESG, I believe the UK regulatory regime for public companies is ahead of where we are in the US. I think that's probably right, John. And, you know, we've certainly seen a really huge sort of push from um, both investors, but also the government um, in terms of trying to tweak our disclosure regime to make sure that companies and in particular listed issuers are properly identifying the risks and the impacts on their business from ESG matters and crafting sort of thoughtful and useful disclosure for investors. And so some of the rule changes that we've seen recently, um, so the FCA has brought in sort of a rule for premium listed issuers um, where they need to make disclosures, particularly around climate, um, And they need to make those disclosures consistent with the recommendations of the TCFD, or they need to explain if they haven't done so. And that that concept of comply or explain is a very well-known one in the UK market, and that's been the underpinning of our corporate governance regime for decades almost. And the idea behind that is very much that governance relates to different issuers in different ways, and it shouldn't be a checkbox exercise. But the purpose of it is to get um, companies to really look at their business and to decide how some of these risks are affecting their particular business, and then to craft disclosures to, to get that out into the market. And so those new FCA listing rules um, apply to financial years starting on or after the 1st of January this year. So we're expecting the first reporting against those listing rules to come out during the course of next year. But the FCA, in putting together these new rules, um, I think we're at pains to point out that this is against the backdrop of already existing requirements about disclosure in our market. And they made the very fair point, I think, that to the extent that uh, climate issues in particular were of material risk to a particular issuer's business, then we already had disclosure requirements in place that would require disclosure of those risks if it was material. 
Um, but they clearly felt that that sort of broad regime and general regime wasn't sufficient to really um, focus issuers' minds um, in terms of these disclosures. Um, a couple of the other points of guidance that we've seen, uh, we've seen LSE guidance coming out, um, so the London Stock Exchange guidance that really talks about recommendations for good practice in ESG reporting. And that's been endorsed by the principles of responsible investment. And that applies to all listed issuers, including the AIM markets, who are junior markets and not just premium issues, issuers. And the other point is that the FCA has just recently consulted in extending some of these, uh, these new rules to standard listed issuers, um, asset managers, life insurers and FCA regulated pension providers. So we're really seeing, I think, a regulatory regime that is forcing issuers uh, to start looking at their impact on um, the environment their and the impact of climate change upon them and really sort of drill down to getting adequate disclosures out to the market. So I suppose I'd be really interested, John, to hear about the US angle for this. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating the parallels um, between what um, is happening in the UK uh, and what's happening here, very similar um, to the existing regime in the UK. Um, the US regime, you know, it already has, you know, kind of rules ostensibly which cover ESG and climate change. And the SEC has made a number of statements this year reminding public companies through the release of a sample comment letter, for example, and other public statements that the agency expects public companies to disclose material information about ESG, and in particular climate change, in their SEC filings under the existing disclosure rules, which is very similar, Megan, to what you described, which is based, largely based on materiality. Um, but as you know, and as we've talked about before, um, the U.S. regulator, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, has been working on proposed rules for mandatory disclosure of ESG. Uh, and the primary focus will be um, similar to what is happening across the pond, which is focused on climate change in particular, and also to a lesser extent, human capital management. Um, and as the existing SEC disclosure rules applicable to climate change and human capital management are largely based on principles of materiality, the new rules are expected um, to be more prescriptive and provide less discretion to management on determining um, whether something is or is not material. So the SEC's proposed rules, which have not come out yet, as of uh, as of today, uh, but are expected fairly soon, uh, are going to be more granular, more prescriptive, kind of similar to our executive compensation rules, and provide less discretion to management under the current regime. The SEC has made comments that they believe that these rules are necessary uh, to provide investors with with information that they believe is material, and so in effect, they're substituting somewhat. Their you know the regulators are substituting their judgment for that of of management. Um, but that doesn't mean there's nothing yet in the US. So these proposed rules, you know, we're at least a year behind you, I think, 
Megan, in, in where we are in terms of the regulatory regime, because the SEC's proposed rules will come out and there'll be just that. There'll be proposed rules. There'll be a lengthy comment period. And even if they're finalized, you know, at some point next year, they're likely to have a, a significant phase in requirement because most companies are not reporting, you know, particular climate change metrics. But I just wanted to point out, and I believe this is something that you're, you've experienced as well, but the level of voluntary ESG disclosure in the U.S. has grown exponentially over the past few, few years, primarily driven by investor demand and interest from other stakeholders. And so this evolution has resulted in companies you know, disclosing ESG priorities, goals, and in some cases, uh, some companies have selected frameworks to disclose quantifiable ESG metrics. Some of the frameworks that uh, public companies are following in the U.S. and talking about are the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, or the SASB, or the disclosure framework you mentioned, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or the so-called TCFD frameworks. Um, and there is some traction around the TFCD framework in the U.S., and it sounds like that's something you're already familiar with in U.K., companies are, are are adopting. I think that's right. And, you know, and you're right in that the UK has very much focused onto the TCFD framework. And I think that was really driven by the fact that the government and the regulator very much wanted to ensure that investors could compare apples against apples. And like you, I think we did have some early adopters of ESG reporting, um, depending on the type of sector that issuers were in. Um, but the problem with that sometimes is that it, it's quite hard to then properly compare disclosures between issuers, particularly in different sectors. And so what we have decided to adopt was really the, the TCFD framework. And there's been quite a lot of help, I think, for, for issuers from various organisations trying to um, help issuers grapple with these new reporting requirements. So, for example, the Financial Reporting Lab released a report in October this year, and they almost try and set out a framework of questions for to, to help issuers in determining what types of disclosures they should be making. And the purpose of that is that they think that answering these questions will help companies prepare disclosures that are consistent with the TCFD framework. And they also have done an analysis of various disclosures and have tried to pick out examples of better reporting practice where companies have really grappled uh, with effective disclosure. But, you know, they, they make the very good point as well that it's not just about TCFD. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, companies over this side of the pond have got sort of existing other requirements which have applied um, for some periods of time. So, particularly disclosures required under our corporate governance code. Um, you know, we needed to put together a strategic report which dealt with what we call the Section 172 duties, which is where the directors of UK incorporated companies um, need to have regard to the impact 
of a company's operations on community and environment and then report against uh, that provision uh, to tell investors how they've managed to achieve that during the course of the year. The other um, piece of legislation that we have that shouldn't be overlooked is the streamlined energy and ca carbon reporting rules. And certainly with that, the FRC um, looked at a thematic review of company reporting against the SECR regulations and very much found that whilst the companies largely complied with minimum requirements um, and there were some areas of emerging better practice, still more needed to be done in order to make those disclosures understandable and relevant for users. So I, I feel that, you know, although we are possibly uh, sort of slightly ahead of the US in terms of mandatory disclosures, we're still at the beginning of a journey in terms of making those disclosures uh, relevant and useful for investors. Yeah, that's fantastic insight, Megan. I mean, your early experience with these frameworks with your clients is going to be very helpful for us in the U.S. that end up adopting, you know, TCFD or or even similar frameworks with, with a lot of the same elements. And for both companies in the U.S. and companies in the U.K. and, and of course, dual listed companies, there's going to be an opportunity to learn from the early experiences of, of peers, peer companies. And, and I'm sure we'll be working a lot more together on how some of these uh, regimes in particular that apply to companies that are cross-jurisdictional who have operations in the U.S. and U.K. are going to be able to meet the differing standards in different jurisdictions. I think that's perfectly right. And and obviously, I I shouldn't leave this podcast without at least mentioning Europe, where, you know, and a lot of the European countries are possibly even ahead of the U.K. in terms of looking particularly at supply chains and reporting about um, environmental issues and other um, sort of S and G factors in their supply chains. And so what I expect is that, you know, we will see a continuing level of change in this area that I think issuers everywhere, no matter where they're based, are going to have to deal with. I'd like to just make one comment on timing and then, Megan, how we're talking about ESG with the with our, our U.S. listed clients, um, as I mentioned, the SEC's you know rules are likely to have a long phase-in period, and so they're we're not expecting to implement them in 2022. However, as I mentioned, you know, there is a lot of pressure externally from investors and other stakeholders to see climate change and other ESG disclosures, and so I think it's a pretty safe assumption that whether it's ultimately mandated by the SEC or provided voluntarily, you know, now or next year, it's likely that your company will be reporting even more ESG information in the near future. And as a result, you know, it may not be easy to anticipate future rules, but one thing companies can do is determine which ESG matters are important from a business and operational perspective to their company and determine how to effectively disclose the company's ESG strategy, taking into account you know, the topic and metrics that are most important to the company's stakeholders. And so every company and every industry will be somewhat different, as you mentioned, and everyone's going to have a different approach. But thinking about that broadly from a strategy standpoint that fits in with the company's business 
strategy and its operations we think is important rather than just trying to chase the rules. And I would utterly agree with that. And I, I think that that's a sentiment that applies to every issuer, no matter where they're based, whether it's in the US, the UK, across Europe or in Asia. Um, and the whole idea about ESG reporting, whether it's mandatory or voluntary, is really to increase the quality of the information that is provided to investors. And you can only do that by really digging under the skin of your own business to figure out what is going on. So I suppose on that note, I mean, John, it was it was great talking to you about um, sort of ESG matters and you know, the similarities and differences that I think that we're likely to see in, in this field over the next coming years. Well, it was great talking to you, Megan, and I'm sure we will be continuing the conversation as this evolves. Thank you. Thanks so much to John and Megan for today's discussion. Visit hoganlovells.com forward slash ESG for more podcasts, videos and resources or download more episodes from the Apple Podcast app or the Google Podcast app for Android users.